every one of you came here tonight basically knowing uh, what you would hear. Okay, Good Friday service. I'm going to hear about the death of Jesus. Uh, every one of you, are, most of you are not going to be surprised at what you hear tonight because you've probably, for the most of you, have heard this before. If not, we're just really glad that you're here. We're glad that you get to hear this maybe for the first time. But for those of you who have heard this multiple times, why did you come here? Why did you come here knowing that you were going to hear this message about a man dying over and over and over again? Like, what brought you back knowing that you're going to hear something that you're very familiar with? That you would come here and hear something that you've heard before? Well, Paul, in his second letter to the Corinthians, tells us why. He tells us why we, as believers in Christ, are people who would come and hear the same truth over and over and over again. He tells us why believers would base their eternity and their life on this truth. He tells us why believers are willing to suffer and to die for this truth. And he's going to do that in 2 Corinthians verse 5. And I'll just read those two verses that we're going to talk about tonight. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. He says, For the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all that those who might uh, live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. So what does it mean That the love of God controls us. Well, first let me explain what he means by controls us. In the original language, the word actually means, or the phrase actually means compels us. Or it could mean to hold us together. The love of God compels us. The love of God holds us together. Some translations say constrains us. And so here we are, how, how, how are we enclosed or constrained or held together by the love of God. Paul says two things. He says, you're held together, you're constrained by the love of God because A, he died for you, and B, he rose for you. So you're, you're held together by the love of God because he died for you and he rose from you. Now, obviously on Sunday, we'll celebrate how through the resurrection of Christ, we see the love of God, but how about his death? Well, that's what we'll see tonight. When we talk about when I, when I meet people and I ask them, what is the gospel? I often hear the phrase, well, the gospel is love. That is absolutely a true statement. The gospel is love. However, we can't interpret it that way and say the gospel is love because love can be so vague. We often uh, use the word love in our own terms, in the way that we define it. We say that we love our dogs, We say that we love our cars. We say that we love TV shows. We love our bands. We love our sports team. We love our hobbies. So love can be this overused word where it almost doesn't mean anything if we say it. But the question is, what is love? A better question is, where does love come from? Uh, We would argue as believers in Christ that love comes from God. In fact, Scripture actually says that God is love. 1 John 4, 7 through 10, it says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. So it comes from God. Love has been 
uh, born of God and, and, uh, and whoever loves God has been born of God and knows God. And who does not know God and, he, and anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. So it comes from love, comes from God and God is love. So, okay, we're to love because God is love. That's what John says in 1 John. But how does God show his love? 1 John 4, 7, uh, 9 through 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him in this love. Not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and has sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What does John say? How God loves us. He loves us through the death of his son. John says in the gospel of John, in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, than a man or than someone lay down his life for his friends. God's word defines love primarily by what Jesus did on the cross. And John, in 1 John 4, we just read, he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Propitiation is obviously not a word that we use every day, but it's this idea that not only God, not only does God love, but part of God's character also is that he hates. What does God hate? He hates sin. And he hates sin because sin is the opposite of God's character. Scripture depicts God as perfect and God as holy. Sin causes us not to benefit from God's perfect love. God hates sin. That's what he hates. Which is problematic for us if we don't know Christ because at birth, we're sinners. We're all born rebels, biblically speaking. We're all cursed and depraved. Our sin cannot allow us to have a relationship with Christ. So propitiation must take place. What's propitiation? Propitiation means that God's wrath and God's hatred towards sin and sinners is satisfied. How is it satisfied? It's possible because Jesus demonstrated true, true love in the way that God defines true love. He laid down his life for us. Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. He did not carry the curse of sin that you and I carry that we inherited from our first parents, Adam and Eve. Jesus never sinned. Jesus never had a thought of greed or lust or pride in a sinful way. Jesus lived as a child, as a teenager, as an adult, and never sinned. He was perfect. Yet he died the most heinous of deaths on the cross. In no way did Jesus deserve the death that he went through. He was killed on a Roman cross. He was killed uh, by the most painful and uh, bloody and horrifying way, death by crucifixion. A Jewish historian, Josephus, says that 
death by crucifixion is the most wretched of deaths. Cicero says that Romans and Greeks never should even speak of the cross because of how heinous it was. Throughout history, death by crucifixion was reserved to display the most despicable of deaths. It was so bad that even the, they, they even created a word to describe the pain and the agony one would go through when they were dying on a cross. And it's the word excruciating. You ever had, you use the word, I'm in excruciating pain. The word actually means from the cross, excruciating. They had to come up with a word to describe it. The Persians were the ones who designed this type of death, and the Romans actually were the ones who perfected it. And they perfected it because they wanted to find a way to torture those who committed the worst horrible act that one could do against Rome, the act of treason. So how do we torture those who commit this act of treason? We're going to make the most excruciating way that they could die by crucifying them on a cross. Oftentimes, uh, the cross was a recycled cross. People would be nailed to something that someone had already died on, blood stains covered, and it was created to draw out death in a slow and painful way. It was also done publicly. It would be almost as if someone would be crucified at the most public place like a mall, if it were to happen today. It was done to bring not just pain, but humiliation, where others could come and mock this person on the cross. This person would be stripped of their clothing, of their dignity, and others would come mocking them and spitting on them as these people would breathe their last breath. This is what happened to Jesus, the one who was perfect, and innocent. Why did this happen to Jesus? So that Jesus would display perfect love for us. So that Jesus would show, I love you. God loves you. God wants to have a relationship with you. That's what Jesus did for us. And I don't think that the cross The pain, the physical pain was the weightiness of it. It was the fact that when Jesus went to the cross, he actually took on the sins of the world, those who would repent and believe in the gospel. He took on Ben Tugwell's sin. He took on every one of you who believes sin on the cross. And he satisfied the wrath of God. He became our propitiation for us. That's what Jesus did. Us to display true love. So, is the gospel love? Yes. But it's better put, love is the gospel. The best way that we can define love is through the gospel. So, you want to you want to know why you came here tonight? To talk about a, a man's death? It's because through Jesus' death we can understand what perfect love is. And for the believer, we know that if Jesus didn't die, we would have no hope. Now for our lives, we are willing now to sacrifice our lives for Christ. We're willing to live our lives and suffer for Christ because 
Jesus, because in comparison, Jesus' death pales in comparison to the things that we go through. Jesus sacrificed and given everything. So now we live in response to him. And that's what he means. The love of God controls us because Christ has died. Romans 5, verse 8. But God shows his love for us in that we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Jesus Christ lived the life that we should have lived. Jesus died the death that you and I were condemned to die. And so my question tonight is, have you received the love of God? Do you know Christ? Do you realize that, have you come to the realization that when Christ died on the cross, he died for you, that the cross applied to you? And you cannot be a believer. You cannot be in right standing with God without believing that the cross of Christ applies to you, that God's love applies to you. And God's love cannot be separated from what the Son has died for you, what the Son has done for you. You can't separate them out because that's how God defines love. So does the love of God control you this evening? Do you live your life based on this truth? Will you come here tonight and you delight hearing these things about Jesus and even the painful, bloody things and the images that we've seen? Does that bring delight to you knowing that, man, he did that for me so that I could have a perfect relationship with the Father and that one day I will be standing in the presence of Almighty God and I will worship him based on this truth that Christ died for me. Christ died in my place. Does that bring joy to your heart? Does that compel you then to want to leave here and tell others, tell the world of this great truth? It should. It should absolutely compel us to make our lives different and make our lives matter for the gospel. So that's why we come. That's why we've come here tonight. That's why we come and hear this thing over and over and over again. So tonight, if you're not a believer, you think there's just no way, there's just no way that anything that I've done could ever amount to a relationship with God. There's no way I could ever earn this relationship with God. I can't be good enough. You're absolutely right. You can't earn it. You can't be good enough. But you have someone who paid the penalty for you. You have someone who died in your place. And so my hope is that you would come to know Christ and come to know his love. And you can do that tonight by asking the Lord to save you from your sin, by asking the Lord to give you the faith to believe in him and to repent of your sins and to surrender your life to Christ. 